0: Acquisition costs will be tough to keep down, churn will be high, you need to build sales pipeline quickly, and you can't pay for it. Imagine that that is your go-to-market customer profile upon starting a new job. For Dan Slagan, and for anyone serving the SMB, this was reality. Dan joined ThriveHive in the midst of a product pivot a little over a year ago. Instead of offering an all-in-one marketing automation solution for small local businesses, ThriveHive was going all in on local SEO, only local SEO. So the product and overall go-to-market approach would need to change. Most importantly, they need to find cost-efficient channels for growing the business, as going up market is obviously out of the equation when your product is built on local SEO for local small businesses. So paid was out, as was long-term SEO plays like blogging. But as it turns out, Dan and Thrive high found their area of high leverage with a free SEO grader, partnerships to help distribute it, and a TV show? This is Ground Up. It's a podcast about growth, except without all the numbers. Here, we tell the stories of everything behind the numbers, the ideas, the habits, the discipline, and also the personal and professional growth of some of the smartest marketers and business owners that we know. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host.
1: So Thrive Hive um, had kind of spent the last few years building out um, kind of all things, content, local CRM uh, for, for businesses. And what we, what we noticed was uh, success was, was interesting, but we really felt like there was an opportunity to take the market over the next couple of years right. if we did a slight pivot. So right when I was joining, the company was, was right in the middle of, of, of the pivot. And what we think is that the future of local SEO, so whatever hometown you're in, if you were to Google, you know, I'm, I'm in Cambridge, so uh, Pizza Shop Cambridge, and then you go on Google. Uh, on the right side of Google, basically these Google My Business profiles are mm-hmm. starting to pop up more and more and more. We think that that is where the future of local SEO is headed. And so that's what we were starting to build a product around and build the future of the company towards um, and so what that meant is that all the things that the team and the company had done in the past on the marketing may or may not have been the right approach moving forward, but everything had to be reevaluated as, as we did look forward into the new strategy and, and the new product so
0: it was it was more of like an all in one platform for local businesses previously yes. what what did that mean so it like uh, Automation all content, things, all that, all kind, of that stuff. kind of stuff. that kind of stuff.
1: Blogging, content, email.
0: Yeah. Right. So Okay, so was, yeah, like a, a platform for local businesses, marketing automation platform. And so you decided to go deep, or they decided to go deep on the local SEO uh, portion, which is smart. Uh, Google My Business is actually one of our biggest integrations, um, which I never would have thought. Like when we when we promoted it and launched it, I was like, oh, good. You know, it's another solid integration. And then you look at the data months later, and you're like, oh, my God, wow. Um, yeah, massive. Um, which is obvious, right? Local businesses need the attention too, and they need to get found. Um, so, so yeah, so you came in, uh, they were making this product pivot. Uh, what did that, uh, what did that entail in terms of like your, your, you know, priorities over the first, say 30, 60, 90 days? Like what were some of your, uh, big priorities coming in to support that?
1: Yeah, the, the way I, it's it's funny and the way I like to do the 30 60 90s which is exactly how you just phrase it. Uh, I kind of look at all right, what what's the strategy? Uh, and then who are going to be the people that are going to be involved in owning it and then what does the yeah. implementation kind of kind of look like? And so on the strategy section, you know, the first first step is coming in understanding from from the product team, you know, what is it that we're actually building, where are we going, and what are things going to look like between now and then to really understand like what are our, our realities and what do I know that I'm going to be kind of playing in in between, and so once I kind of understood that, then you start to think about all right, well, what's the strategy that we're going to actually implement to move forward? And what we know we don't want to do uh, is go compete with a bunch of other other businesses or other competitors where it's already a really saturated space. Sure. Uh, we know that we can make some long term bets, but we also need to start seeing results in in the short term, and we know that this thing has to be profitable. So as we start to think about that, then you think about what are the areas where we know that we can win and where we can sort of change the narrative so that we are actually differentiated. Um, with a pivot, the first thing that we're going to start is is on the branding side. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I like to do that is to, I go sort of the Simon Sinek route of like, why does this start company yeah. exist? Yeah, I love starting with the why. Kind of walk the leadership team through a bunch of different exercises to understand you know, why does this company exist? What do we want to be associated with? Uh, what are our customers or prospects currently using and why are we better or differentiated? Uh, then get into some of the more kind of characteristics and tone of the brand. Uh, are we kind of an elitist brand? Are we for everyone? Are we more friendly, a little bit more authoritative? So we had a couple different processes that we walk walk the team through. And then from there, we had a brand refresh. Uh, so within the first 60 days, um, complete redesign of, of the website, completely updated go-to-market, messaging, uh, all the way starting at product and then through marketing out to sales, customer success. Uh, really important to get that done quickly. Um, because in my opinion, sure. that sort of, to some degree, it's hindering all the other go to market things you want to do. Um, you can still do their things, but inevitably, you know, you're going to go back and, and change them. Right. Uh, Partnerships,
0: paid, whatever it is, right? The foundation, you need the foundation to be able to do that all effectively.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So really started with the brand. Uh, once we felt like we had that in a, in a good place, then it times a shift to, to the go to market strategy. Now, local SEO, uh, starting with a new product in 2020, is nothing new. Um, <laughs> so from a marketing standpoint, we're pretty late to the game, and yeah. we have quite the uphill battle to climb if we think we're going to make a dent. Um, so for us, there was some strategic areas of SEO that we felt like we could go win pretty quickly, but I wouldn't say that we were looking at a broad SEO play. You right. know, we certainly weren't going to pour a ton of time and effort into social media, Just for which may sound surprising to some people, but Mm -hmm. we just weren't going to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We felt like we could go to market through partners. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the reason that we felt like we could do it was because we were starting to build what we call lead magnets. And it's basically a freemium, kind of software-based offering where someone can come in, get value without giving us a lot of information or without giving us any money whatsoever. So what we did was we built uh, what we call uh, Google My Business Grader. And a local business could come in, uh, insert their email credentials as to whatever email was associated to their Google My Business profile. And then in 30 seconds, we would spit back out all the different grading functions that we'd see. And we would grade someone on a score of 0 to 100. And whether you ranked a 30, a 70, or a 90, we would show you, all right, here's the stuff you're doing pretty well here's how you're benchmarking against your vertical and then here's all the stuff that you could be doing to get your score as close to hundred as possible
0: so is this like a real-time tool like AI that this just like graded kind of kind of like the Hubspot marketing grader back in the day
1: exactly yeah, yeah similar similar concept um, we have a fantastic data science team here that that has yeah. built it out and as we've started to grade more and more uh, businesses I don't know the exact number but it's you know, multiple tens of thousands at this point, uh, right, the data that we, right. Yeah. yeah. So the data that we start to aggregate and the mm-hmm. benchmark data that we have by vertical or by geo, uh, becomes really interesting as a way for us to give back value and show people kind of where, where they right. rank against competitors.
0: Cool. So uh, I just want to, uh, you said a lot of great things here. I just want to recap. So obviously coming in, the first thing you wanted to do is kind of uh, repour the foundation in terms of the brand. So anything you did thereafter, right. It w- would be sort of aligned with, with, uh, Uh, The company's focus going forward. I love that you talked to like interviewed the founders, um, which I think is like oddly enough, an overlooked, like everybody says, start with the customer. Like, what does the customer want? When I was at Litmus, I did the same thing. My first 30 days there, um, I interviewed, there was three founders interviewed all three of them. And you could tell that they had never been asked these questions before. Just like when you lost uh, launched this new feature, um, you know to to you know, grade people's uh, w- to show people which which uh, if their email was going to end up in a spam spam inbox or not. Like, why did you do that? Like, where what what was your vi- and the language that they used informed all the website copy, uh, how we positioned products. Obviously, we would run it through customer and run tests and stuff first. But I found that to be an incredibly enlightening exercise to hear what the founders had in their heads and what their initial vision was. Because many times not everybody's good at communicating those things. Um, And so extracting that information is super valuable. So it sounds like it was for you. And then uh, rather than go all in maybe on content and social and some of the things that maybe were going to be longer term plays, you developed like a free tool essentially to kind of arm yourself to to have, uh, you know, effective and uh, partner relationships, it sounds like. Is that that a fair uh, assessment of everything?
1: Yeah, and, and to go to the, to the brand part, it, it, it's definitely a good point because interviewing, there's, there's various groups of people that you have to inevitably interview to move forward with your brand. And the founders right. are one component. The leadership team is another component. We do like to open it up to as many employees as possible uh, that want to have some type of a say. But then you have to go the other customer route and you yeah. have to look at new customers and old customers and happy customers and churn customers and buy various vertical uh, and then just mashing that, that all together. It, it's nice to have all the data. Right. Um, it's not always actionable, but at least you have everything that you can go through. For sure, yeah. And then, and then yes, to your point on sort of ignoring some of the other channels, you know, the reason we did it is because we thought that our go-to-market strategy would be best served via partners. And we knew if we're going to go that route, then the way to differentiate in that realm would be to have the the kind of freemium offering.
0: Right. And I want to dig more into that in a second. But first, you've worked for you know several companies that – you know have kind of serviced the web based service companies the web based products um obviously a local s e o product you know you're 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 dealing with the brick and mortar guys like local businesses right um uh, many of which have online presence obviously which is why they're uh in in need of local s e o um but how was the approach different maybe from what uh, in terms of acquisition than maybe what you had you know experienced in the past working for for businesses that uh uh, working for products that marketed to businesses that maybe didn't even have a brick-and-mortar store right that were more just hundred percent web-based How is that approach different?
1: On the on the marketing side. Yeah, I think what we knew and what we would seen in the past was given the size of these companies which you know, I know you worked a lot sort of in, in kind of the, the HubSpot world and kind of we used to break it out by you know very small business small business medium, you know, we're we were closer to the very small business here And so what that inevitably means is that uh, acquisition costs are going to be pretty tough and churn rates are going to be high because that's just sort of the nature of this business. So what we know right off the bat is that we're going to need to have a huge top of the funnel. We need to develop it pretty quickly. We can't pay for it. (laughs) and to expect high churn rates like that that's what that's what the history of this particular target segment would would suggest if anybody
0: was looking to get into the smb like targeting business right now i think you just completely sold them on it dan
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's a a blast it's an absolute blast develop Uh, pipeline
0: quickly you can't pay for it it's got to be cheap
1: (laughs) yeah and then your onboarding has to be as simple as possible and the product has to be just dead simple Mm -hmm. um and so and the other thing too is you can't wait like i'm as a CMO, I'm, I'm able to make some long-term bets and convince my CEO and, yeah. and, and the leadership team of some of the long-term bets. But at the same time, at the end of each month or each quarter, they're going to start asking, what did you actually do and what, what did you bring in? Right. Um, and so that, to some degree, negates uh, long-term SEO. Uh, again, can't really do paid social. So yeah, for us, we felt like partner was the best way if we could get in there show value it was the quickest way to to drive scale right the
0: biggest upfront cost there is developing the tool right developing the free tool uh but once you had that um uh which is which kind of uh kind of goes into my next question what you know inevitably some of the companies you know like hubspot they inevitably move up market right and and uh, i think this was actually you uh brought this up in a press release when you came on at thrive hive was the inevitable shift up market Whereas ThriveHive is, is obviously, because of the nature of the business that they're in, is continually focused on the SMB. So how do you hit that next phase of growth? And you've kind of already started touching on this, but how do you hit that next phase of growth without moving up market?
1: So for us, what we're able to do is if we can open up and continue to open up the top of the funnel, um, that is really how we can start to scale. And what we feel like we've done is we've found... A product offering that businesses are really starting to resonate towards. And if we can continue to build out that market in that category, then it opens, us, uh, opens up the opportunity for us to, to offer related products. So if you're going to have a Google My Business sort of optimization tool, which we have, and that's what we're leading with right now, it makes sense that the next step would be to offer a website that's tightly related to that. And from there, there will be another step, which I won't get to do here. Sure. Uh, but that's kind of how we think about the, 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 the step functions there. But it starts with establishing a core, core top of the funnel that we feel like is uh, repeatable, sustainable, predictable, and that we aren't necessarily paying for. And, you ha- um, and you've removed friction.
0: Yet. You have a free product, right? You, you've, uh, you're partnering with, with some big companies. You have a free tool. So you've removed a lot of friction from the process to, to kind of set yourselves up to have a wider top of the funnel.
1: We have. Yeah. And then once people come to us, we're not necessarily looking at like a traditional, um, you know, content funnel or lead funnel. Uh, what we're offering is something that people genuinely want and genuinely need. And then we're just sort of there, uh, if they want to work with us on, on on a paid perspective.
0: So talk about the team today. Like what does your marketing team look like today? How is it structured?
1: The team, I, I think, especially when taking over a new team, uh, what you want to do is, is keep things as simple as possible to start. And then over time, get as complex as you want. Uh, but to start, I need to be able to explain this to my CEO and my leadership team in 10 seconds. So <laughs> I, have, uh, I have basically three teams under marketing. I have uh, brand, demand, and product marketing. And that's pretty much it. And under brand, uh, we have everything from sort of website, design, PR, communications, and events. Uh, we also have uh, kind of video production and show creation, which we can get into in a bit. Uh, demand gen is how do we drive as many leads as possible. Uh, and then on the product marketing, it's how do we take what's coming from the product team and getting it out into market and then educating our customers and our our sales reps and everything else under that realm.
0: Right, right. And um, so in terms of priorities coming in, like how, what what's your approach in terms of planning, setting priorities for the team, uh, you know, you're your first, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, like we were saying, what kind of exercise did you go through with the team in order to kind of um, maybe realign around, you know, the the right metrics or the right activities that they were doing? Like what's been your approach to that?
1: The first thing I actually love to do is just take each team within marketing and Mm -hmm. say sort of who is your to some degree, like who's who's the other department or the other team that you're responsible to mm-hmm. or that you're trying to deliver a certain amount of value to? And let's get those two teams together in a room and just talk about the problems. Before right. we even get into what are the goals and what are the metrics, let's just figure this out from the start. So, the so demand gen obviously
0: would be sales, right?
1: Exactly. So right. let's okay. get the demand team in the same room with the sales team mm-hmm. and sales team have at it. You tell me what you've been frustrated with in the past, what you've enjoyed, what the current problems are, what's currently working well, and what you need to move forward. And we have a huge brainstorm around that. Then we'll take a couple days or a week, let the marketing team brainstorm. We'll come back, put that plan in front of sales, and make sure that we're all in agreement to it.
0: What's, what's like an what example I, of something you learned through that process, maybe? Through
1: that process? Yeah. Uh, Was there anything specific?
0: Was it like, obviously, a lot of the common things that come up, right? Lead quality, lead volume, things like that.
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's never the sexy stuff. You know, it's like yeah. the leads weren't rotating properly in Salesforce. <laughs> One of the fields was missing a certain value. Right. Like for instance, when we, when we run the grade, it's super important for our sales team to see the grade of each business. But for whatever reason, some of the leads would come in, it would, it would be blank in the grade. Sure. So they wouldn't know if they're calling into a business where they had gotten a, a 30, a 50 or a 90. And that just makes the sales. <laughs> Slows close them up. down. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, and those types of things when compounded or when just keep happening consistently, uh, the sales team starts to lose faith in marketing mm-hmm. and they start to get really frustrated. Right. Uh, and so first coming to them and saying that I'm going to put a strategy out based on your needs versus you're going to adapt to the strategy that I put down from the top is just a really nice way to start the conversation with sales. Um, you know, it's nice when people come out after meetings and they're like, hey, it's, it's great that we have this working relationship. I feel like this is a, a collaborative thing. Um, you know, I was begging the sales reps, you know, if you feel like on any day or any week, either leads are low or quality's not there or there's something wrong, you need to come yell at me. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm promising that we're going to deliver X, Y, Z. And if we're not doing it, I, you know where to come.
0: Right, <clears throat> right, because it's the, it's that lack of communication over time where it just like breeds uh, contempt, right? And makes things so
1: much worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. The other, the other thing, sort of once we kind of have established um, what, what the needs are, as we move into strategy, it, 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 it then comes down to is what we're going to do sustainable? Uh, so we try and think if what we're doing works, which would be a good problem to have, uh, is this a sustainable state that the team could be in in three months or six months or 12 months? And a good example of that is I have an events team here, and I think in 2018, they did about 20 events uh, around the country. So we kind of partner with Google, Mm -hmm. and we go to the small, small towns of the country. We go to um, Lubbock, Texas, (laughs) um, like really small, small uh, places. And uh, we go around, and we get all the small businesses in town together together. And we talk about the state of uh, advertising and local SEO and everything that's impacting their business from an online marketing standpoint. And so the team had done a certain revenue number uh, last year, a certain number of events, and we decided we just want to double everything. So we went from, I think, 20 to we'll do about 50 events this year. um, And we didn't increase the size of the team. And so there's a certain strategy that we have to implement every single time we do an event uh, there's local planning there's invites there's coordinating with google other partners there's content, right. all this kind of stuff. so we had to get the strategy down perfectly almost so that we knew if we go from twenty events to fifty events, it can still be done by two people if we actually pull it off it's sustainable um, and it 's something that we can actually replicate
0: right right um so that's uh, obviously that's been a big driver than the events right uh so you' you're you're doubling the amount of events uh, or you did double the amount of events that you did in 2018, this year?
1: We did, yeah. We doubled events. Uh, revenue was on track to double as well, which is, uh, which is great to see. And, and now we're in the right. fun, fun stage of, of trying to figure out how many of you next year <laughs> plan for the team next year.
0: And so let, I want to dig more into the partnerships. Um, and we had kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, uh, what, what do the partnerships look like? And, and how does that engagement work? I know it relies heavily on the free SEO grader. So talk about that.
1: Yeah. It's been really interesting. Uh, The local businesses that we work with are all a part of some type of association. Sure. Um, For us, it ranges everywhere from Comcast business customers uh, all the way down to, like, the National Massage Association of America. Um, They join the associations for various reasons. Uh, or these groups, some it's, I have an actual need, Comcast business customers obviously have an internet need. Um, but like, for instance, the massage association, they have needs where they uh, sometimes they're, it's their first time getting into being a, a masseuse or starting their own company. And they have a lot of questions that they just need help answering. And that's what the association is is there for. Now, inevitably, marketing is one of the first things that always comes up with these with these companies is, you know, what are your biggest challenges? And they always say. I need help with growth. I need more customers. I need to get found more. Um, and if you look on our website, actually, the get found more is one of our big taglines. And that just came out <laughs> of uh, conversations with just endless number of customers and our partners and, and, and all those discussions. Um, but how, how do I grow and how do I know what to do? And so we went to the associations and we basically said, look, we can deliver value to all of your members and it can be free. The association loves that because they're always looking for value adds. Um, they want to be ahead of all the trends and they want their members to think this association is worth the money I'm paying. I'm learning new things and I can trust these people to help me move my business forward. And so that's why the partners love it because we said, look, all these local businesses need help with marketing. Here's the market research as to why we believe Google My Business is the future of local SEO and there is not currently a great product out there addressing these needs and here's this free Google My Business grader that we've, that we've just spent the last X number of months building. And we would take them through it and we'd say, let's go through one of your customers and we'd walk them through start to finish. Enter in someone's email credentials, connect to Google My Business, 30 seconds later, you have a grade with a laundry list of items that you can actually start working on. As you start to work on them, we'll then show you uh, your grade improve or not improve over time. So people have a nice methodical way of actually improving their, their presence. And then once we get sort of one or two partners on board, then you start kind of the, the storytelling. Um, you do the, the videos and the customer mm-hmm. stories, and you can then use that collateral to go bring on other partners. So we have a great partner marketing team here. Um, everything from identifying which associations are the right ones to go after, what onboarding looks like, and then how we start to go to market into their, their member bases as well. Because there's, there's, sorry, there's a number of ways. We, you know, they can email their base. We can get in the right. product. Um,
0: so right. and uh, how, what does is, what is the partner network look like right now? How many partners are you
1: guys up to? We have uh, we're in the double digits. Wow,
0: cool. And uh, do you do you see good engagement from even some of the smaller folks? because obviously you have big partners, like you said, Comcast business, uh, like national massage association and people like that. do you do you see because maybe they're smaller, tighter knit groups? Do you see a lot of engagement from like the smaller associations?
1: It's a great question. It's one thing that I think the team has learned this year more than anything else on the partner side. Uh, When we first started having these conversations with people, the first thing we would always think in our heads is, "I wonder how big their list is. I wonder how big their (laughs) list is. How many how many members they have?" Right. And inevitably, the bigger the list, the more excited the team got because if we have five million customers in our database,
0: and they're going to do an email send, right?
1: Yeah, that's going to be huge for us. Versus if you go talk to someone who only has, let's say, you know, twenty or fifty thousand members. Uh, It's not as easy to get excited about those numbers if you're focused on on size of list. But what we found out through our first couple tests was that a couple different things matter a lot. Um, First, how the the association actually communicates back to their members and which channel we're falling into. So if someone's doing an email blast or if we're in product or if we're part of a sales promotion, the engagement rates are going to be wildly different. So it depends what the partner has agreed to do for us then it really comes down to you know i i don't know if it's if it's trust or the relationship but inevitably let's say we're doing an email email blast the open rates and the click rates and the engagement rates they they differ drastically by like multiple orders of magnitude from partner to partner i've seen open rates you know as high as 70% i've seen them as low as in the single digits and so what we found was that we really have to run a couple different test with these partners before we can even ballpark what we think we're going to get back from them whereas in the past you might have just said all right let's just apply uh, a baseline click rate to each partner and then we'll go off the list size um we found that not not to be the right way to do it
0: (laughs) so you must be doing a a a lot of leads then through that right because you have the free tool how does that how does that funnel work so the partners yep. are sharing it with their members. Members, you know, take the free the free grader. And then the sales team sort of follows up with what you were mentioning before. Some of the higher grader folks are higher
1: priority opportunities for your sales teams. Um so the 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 funnel there is is right. And in terms of the the go-to-market as to how we support this, we are looking to drive growth via partnerships more than anything else because Mm -hmm. we feel like that's where we have the most amount of leverage we can add the most amount of value Uh, as i said we have some strategic seo plays that we're doing uh, but outside of that those are real are really our only two plays we'd had paid as a part of the marketing strategy through the first couple quarters of the year but we actually turned paid off and our goal was to you know in january ramp paid very very quickly to drive leads for sales we can at least prove out the 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 concept, but then start to taper it off month over month. Um, and this and, was kind of
0: while you were building out the tool, getting the partnerships yep. built out, getting the whole process built out, you were kind of relying on paid in the meantime.
1: Exactly. Which is sort of an interesting challenge in itself because it's develop a really deep expertise and functionality overnight and then start to, to cut it out. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's kind of interesting. Like you can't, you can't necessarily go higher for that because you don't want to hire someone and say you have a job for three months. That doesn't really make sense. Right. Um, so it's just interesting how <laughs> you have to make that a different part of your of your go-to-market strategy. Um, but so anyway, so we've mostly focused on uh, now organic, but obviously partners are a big driver. So yes, the leads come in. Uh, we actually have a different sales and nurturing approach pending on the grade. So if you get, for instance, uh, under 25, there's an approach. If you get... 25 to 50 50 to 75 75 to 100 there's a different nurture stream for each one of those groups and then as we start to see um, different verticals really get popular with us we've slowly started to break out uh, vertical approaches also by numerical uh, category right
0: that makes sense right so yeah so uh, the, the the folks that have the higher higher grades obviously make sense that they're higher higher sort of higher priority or higher uh, higher potential opportunity
1: uh yeah and and it's nice because if someone has scored uh let's say a 25 out of 100 we know exactly what the sales pitch needs to be hey we know that you're just getting started you must feel really overwhelmed yeah we can we can help you just with the basics xyz versus the person that scored a 75 out of 100 hey obviously you're doing well maybe you're thinking about opening up a second location or maybe you want to take this thing to the next level like that's just a completely different conversation and then the people that we see that get the grade but don't want to talk to sales or don't want to use our paid version, uh, the nice thing is we we can track them every single time they come back into the grade because even if they don't need help today, um, they're going to come back and grade themselves again to see if they've gotten any better. So they and, do. You, you do see repeat uh, grades. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. We and we do we do nurture emails. That's um, a great sign. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll do nurture emails to bring people back in the product as well. Uh, but organically, they'll they'll do it. And then our sales team can reach back out from more of a customer success standpoint and say, "Hey, I noticed that you went from 40 to 50. Great work! Here's how you can go to 50 to 60. Just so you know. Uh, or we've seen some people get worse. Uh, hey, I saw you went from 60 to 50. Do you want to talk about why? Why? Um, yeah. And it's it's, those are, it's, yeah, it's those kind are of funny. Great leads, yeah. It's, it's and it's, yeah, and it's kind of funny. It, it seems like. You know how marketing went through this big shift years ago where we just started offering everything for free and we're yeah. just offering value, 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 and that's all we're doing. I'm noticing that more on the sales side now where it almost feels like some of our intro sales calls sound like customer success. It sounds like the first customer success call that people used to have.
0: Sure, sure. Right. Where well, you're just trying to help people. Yeah, you're, you're literally just trying to help people or help people get set up or uh, you know, help deliver value quickly. Um, yeah. That's interesting, uh, and it's funny how you have talked about obviously the partners, the partnerships are high leverage. Uh, you you kind of at least up till now kind of haven't really uh, dove into content and SEO and all the th- things that are maybe longer term. But you have launched a, uh, a series like a show locally. <laughs> so we have launched we have launched
1: content. Um, we've just done it. I think in areas where we felt like we could win. So, Uh, why the yeah,
0: tell me about so so locals is great. I watched the one with uh, Remnant, the the brewery. Yes. um, Which uh, is not advisable at you know one o'clock in the afternoon on a work day. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it was it it was great. Like it was uh, the production value was good. Uh, You're good on camera. Uh, Like you, you were you were a good interview. So, yeah, what was the what was the approach behind? locals the series and and how does that um you, you know how does that sort of influence your or not or the the funnel like what was the play there
1: yeah so we thought about content as, as far as two two streams we did want to have a more tactical um content asset that we could put out there and then we also wanted to have more of a branded asset sure and so the tactical one we do also we have a podcast um and it's just insanely niche it's for, if you care about local SEO, that's the only people that are going to listen to this thing. Yeah. It has like a 90% completion rate and the audience that listens to it, all they care about is local. So that's what we did with with the podcast. Um, that one's called Found Bites. And then on the branding side, to your point, yes, we did, we did locals. Uh, so what we wanted to do here was we felt like there was no TV show happening and we felt like it was a way for us to Get closer to the customer. Um, This is a 350, 400 person agency, kind of on on the SMB side. If you look at our staff, most people have never run or owned a local business before. Yet, we're asking them to empathize and to connect with local business owners and we're also, also asking local business owners to trust us. Sure. I felt like doing a show, first and foremost internally, would be a great way for us to show who our customer is, help our, help our own employees empathize and like see themselves through, through the videos. And then I also felt like from a customer standpoint, if any prospect or customer watched any of these episodes, they would just say, all right, Thrive Hive is, is, is in the trenches. And that was the, the tone and the character of the show that we wanted to uh, to do. So when I was growing up, uh, I was a huge fan of Dirty Jobs. It was uh, <laughs> a show with Mike Rowe. Uh, and then there was the success of Anthony Bourdain's show, Parts Unknown. And for whatever reason, those two shows were in my head when I started thinking about this. Um, the word "locals" was always in my head. I knew that was the name of it from day one. Uh, I just needed to get the team like bought into it, yeah. which was not necessarily as easy as I thought it would be. Like the first time I told them, you know, here's what we're gonna do. I kind of got big eyes, um, <laughs> and I said, no, 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 just wait. It's gonna work. Just here's why. And people were like, okay, still not sure about this, but everyone was really excited about it because it's new. They never worked on it before, um, and it was all kind of greenfield for our uh, for our video team, for our design team, for our content, and and the people that do work on social. Um, it was all new new stuff, so that was cool to do. The way it got started uh, was I just started cold emailing as many local businesses as I could find on LinkedIn um, because I didn't have any local businesses in mind, per se, that I personally wanted to go reach out to. Um, and I was also a little bit hesitant to take people's recommendations because I'd never done the show before. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to establish some cadence of either quality or at least an episode where people could see what they were getting themselves into uh, before before we actually pitched. So I did a bunch of cold outreach. Uh, as you'd expect, most people ignored me. Uh, and then eventually <laughs> Chicken and Rice guys responded. And they said, okay, we like the concept, um, we, we can meet. And so set up a meeting, and we like, rolled out the red carpet for them. We treated this like this was our most important meeting <laughs> ever. Uh, we were so detailed. We like, drew their logos all over our whiteboards and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they, they loved it. They were like, yeah, we don't know what this is going to turn out like, but uh, as long as we get final approval rights. And I was like, yeah, you guys could say no to the whole thing at the end if you want. They were like, yeah, what do we have to lose? And so that's what we did. Uh, we scripted out the story, and we went and met with the whole team throughout the day. Uh, like 7 a.m., we went to their, um, their like food truck and packing factory, basically, where they make all the food, and they stock up the trucks, and they go out on the day. Uh, we went to one of their uh, locations in the city where they have a food truck, and they went to one of their brick-and-mortar restaurants. Um, and that was the first episode we released. Um, we try and release each episode about four weeks after filming, and our promise to ourselves that we would do six episodes in season one from June to December. Uh,
0: so are you in season one right now?
1: Yeah, we just we just wrapped uh, filming of the last episode.
0: And that'll come what
1: uh, next okay. month? That'll come December. Yep.
0: Nice. Uh, and yep. is it something you're going to continue with next year?
1: That's the plan. Um, I think the way that we've done it is it's not a big cost to the company right now in terms of both uh money, time and resources. We've been really lean about the way we've done it. You can obviously see the the, the episodes are pretty raw and in the wild. Um we have a great editing team and a really good video crew, but it's not like we're dumping yeah, did you did you hire a video crew? I hired one person to do video. Yeah. Um I brought that person in here um fully under the the context that we'd be doing a TV show. Yeah. That's when they interviewed, I said, look, this is what I'm looking for. You know, Yes, you're going to have to do product videos and customer testimonials, and that'll be X percent of your job, but I really need this person to be able to try a video show with me. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't, know, I don't know where it's going to go, but I need someone who's who's willing and able. And so they actually got really excited about that, that idea, because um, it wasn't something that other companies they were interviewing with were offering them. So that actually ended up being, I think, the reason they came over here. Right. Um, but yeah, as far as will we continue it, I, I would say yes. I think there's been a couple of things that I've been happy with. Uh, first, internally, uh, I've gotten people at the company emailing me from everywhere from like the finance team saying, hey, we love these videos. We feel like we can see the, the outcome of our job in these episodes. So from a morale and culture pers- perspective, I really like the impact that each video had. Um, externally there's been a couple of cool things that have happened sales team is starting to come to us more and more and say uh this person found us via locals
0: that's which is, yeah that's gotta make is, you which is which is
1: pretty cool yeah. and it's not and it's not because of seo because i know that it's not ranking for anything that anyone would be searching for on google <laughs> right, right uh somebody shared word it, of it word of mouth yeah Yeah, social word of mouth sharing, Uh, we share it with our customer base, so I'm sure there's local business owners sharing episodes with others like, hey, uh, you know, there's an episode of a brewery, you know, I know you're starting a brewery or you have a brewery, you should check out this episode. Um, So I'm sure that kind of stuff of the word of mouth is happening, which is great. Um, We're also seeing kind of the industry opportunities, I guess. So we are getting more um, PR, SEO, backlinks, uh, being asked to speak at conferences, all those kinds of things. Which can sometimes be a little bit like vanity success. Um, so I don't only want to focus on those things, but it is nice, I guess, to be in a community of other brands that are doing these shows right. and moving forward with them. Because just from a learning standpoint, uh, we're learning a ton.
0: I imagine it would be an interesting opportunity to like reach out to local press, whether that's newspapers or, or, uh, or even news stations, say like, hey, we covered this business that's in your town. Um, here's the piece, you know maybe there's something you can, maybe there's a blurb you can put together for it. Um, you know, because, ta- you know, especially like the smaller local towns, the Lubbock, Texas and, you know, towns like that love, love the coverage on their small businesses. Right. So it seems like there, there could be cool opportunities that for, for that as well.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's also kind of nice too, cause some of the verticals that we'll do, it does make it Easier for sales to take some of those episodes and go back and reach out to other verticals that we may have engaged with in the past. Sure. Um, Anyone that owns, you know, a a restaurant or a brewery or something like that, we have episodes there. Anyone who owns a brick and mortar store, we just finished up, or we just launched one yesterday with a general store. Um, So it just makes it easier for the sales teams to go back and relate. Sure. So I want to
0: wrap sort of on around like goals. Uh, What's your What's sort of like your cadence and your approach to, to planning? Is it like an annual, uh, annual plan? Is it quarterly? And I would assume you're, you're sort of backing into engagement metrics based on you know, revenue goals of the, of the overall company. So just talk about your approach to, to planning and forecasting for the marketing team.
1: So we have strategic goals for the year. Um, an example on the marketing side is a little more tactical. But for instance, strategically, we knew that by Q4, we wanted to be off-paid. We didn't want to have to use sure. any paid to go to market, and we still had to keep all of our lead gen goals. Uh, but that was like one big strategic thing that we wanted to do. Then by quarter, though, we're going to have various lead uh, number goals based off the number of sales reps we have, based off the the revenue targets that we need to hit, and that's all associated with a different conversion rate that that we know. Um, for the most part, the quarterly goals have stayed the same, uh, meaning like our monthly goals haven't shifted too much, which which, which is nice um but that's really how how we've done it
0: right and uh what would you say you know one that you could share now what's what's your most challenging goal you know going into 2020 uh for the marketing team
1: it's a good question the most challenging goal for next year you don't
0: even have to give me numerics if you can't but just like you know what uh, the the initiative in general the approach like what what's uh what's something that you've put together for for 2020 you think is going to be you know a big focus
1: yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a fair question. I think what's interesting is we've we've tried a bunch of new stuff this year, and we've seen we've seen various success in in each initiative. And so, as you're thinking about the team and where to continue hiring up or how to structure the team, I think one of the hardest things to do is decide: do you go and try and put all your eggs in one basket into the thing that's winning right now, or do you keep yourself somewhat diversified, just in case one thing doesn't end up working? or just in case something else could take off next year in a way that it may not have this year. Sure. Um, and that, that, that to me is, I think, some of the most interesting discussions that we've had because we're doing stuff that we ha- we've never done before. We've done, we obviously we've done partner this year. We've done video content. We've done events at scale. So as we think about next year, I can't necessarily do all three things at the scale that they need to uh, in order to, to 10x. So if you can only you know, 5x or 10x, one or two of those, which one do you do you do and how do you how do you have that discussion and so we look at everything from uh, feasibility resources quality of revenue time to scale all in accordance with sort of where that we think the company needs to be over the next 18 to 24 months
0: are you gonna be growing your team significantly because obviously that goes back to the acquisition costs, right in the smb so uh, are you going to be growing the team significantly or you kind of have the team that you'll be rolling with in in 2020
1: I have submitted my plans for Team Growth. <laughs> I will tell you We'll leave it at I, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, once I get them back. Well, Dan, this was great, man. It
0: was it was uh, it was fun getting to uh, getting to know uh, life life uh, with the local businesses and, and the partnerships, which, which I found fascinating. But the web series too. Like, uh, I hope you guys do more because uh, I love the format and it it just felt it felt right. It felt like one of those things I would see on like Discovery. You know what I mean? right? Like Thanks. diving into small businesses, how they work. And, and, uh, so yeah, for the listeners, definitely check out, uh, the web series. Is it available only through the
1: website? Yes, exactly. So we put it all on thrive com backslash locals. And it's actually kind of, the reason we did it is because, um, we just want to build up the, right, the yeah. audience on our own website and not trust anyone else. Um, but yeah, so, okay. it's been an awesome show. The, the last thing I'll say about it is I think it's, in terms of like team team bonding and like bring the team stronger and closer together, it's the closest thing to putting on an event as as I can as I can remember. Each time we complete an episode, it really feels like we've just put on like a mini event. It's like a wrap party, right? You kind of have like <laughs> <laughs> you can, yeah, Actually, the the last episode we filmed, the owner of the we did the owner of a restaurant who has two restaurants are opening up a third, so it's a cool episode. We're basically doing. What it takes to open a third business or a yeah. third location, yeah. and what goes into all that planning. Uh, but they actually ended up making us uh, homemade lunch uh, after the episode. Oh, nice! Yeah, Is that the one off.
0: coming out uh, December?
1: It comes out in December. Who yeah.
0: was the Who was the business? Yeah,
1: um, it's the it's a it's a it's a couple in Cambridge. They own two restaurants right now. Uh, they own Amelia's Trattoria and they own Salmona, and then they're opening up a third, uh, which I believe construction started like the day we started filming.
0: Nice. Great. Well, yeah, for the listeners, check it out. Uh, But Dan, yeah, thanks again, man. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.